conquerors of the useless. That's what they used to call them. Of course, it ain't useless now, not here, anyway. The climbers are the only ones of any use for miles and miles. The mountains are young here. After the collapse, they started sprouting up like the breeze, like a great wall stretched across the country, separating the two sides, dividing friends, families, lovers. Of course, wouldn't be obstacles if there weren't the will to overcome them. And well, you know what they say, where there's a will, there's bound to be a way. Episode 6 Conquerors of the Useful Slow and steady now. Here you go, old stars. I don't want to be hauling this any more than you, but we're almost there, and it's not like we had a lot of options. Easy there. That must be them in the valley. And would you look at this sign? Commercial trucking through Yosemite is prohibited. Well, if you're looking to trade with the East, Yosemite Valley's the only place to do it. Through ain't the issue, though, and it doesn't say anything about into. Of course, even if it did, it ain't like there's anyone looking to enforce that particular old rule anyway. I'd been following the road south for a ways before Old Stars and I found ourselves in Frisco. Big rig trucks were just as out of place there as New Seattle, and for good reason. Food, clothes, supplies, everything they need comes from the immediate area. Well, almost everything. Seems there's something that some of them lack, something only possessed by a people they call the Gongsi. Whatever it is they trade in return is too valuable to trust with outsiders, though. They have their own people to transport it to the valley. They trust me enough to take the Gonksy's goods back to town, though, when I'm loaded up with whatever it is. After I've dropped my current cargo, 30 wooden boxes stuffed with packing paper shreds meant to cushion the contents. Cushioning don't instill me with much confidence, though. Every bump feels like it might be my last. Coming up on a tunnel. Keep catching glimpses of Half Dome. Must be pretty close to the valley by now. There's the light and...
I'll be. Yosemite Valley. I knew she was a beauty, but I could never have imagined. There's El Cap, and Half Dome. Look at that waterfall. There they are, the dynamite blasters. Guess that's where I'm going, then. Can't say I want to be near the tunneling efforts, but I'll be glad to get all that dynamite out of old stars. When they first told me the cargo was dynamite, I wasn't too keen on hauling it. But there weren't any other options for work, and it would be a short haul, if I made it. What the... Eyes are playing tricks on me. I could swear I saw that mountain grow like it were shorter a moment, but there it goes again. It's... Well, it's bubbling up, getting taller like lava only. Not black, but gray. If I weren't looking straight at it, I would think I was losing my mind. It's... Still growing. Looks like a desert mirage simmering there. Strangest thing. Wait, it's stopping now. Huh. Well, no wonder they need so much dynamite. Best be getting it to them, then. Wait a second. Almost looks like people, maybe. Yeah. People climbing up that sheer rock face carrying something. Something big. Yeah, I can see the ropes now. Only, my eyes really must be playing tricks. It looks like that one doesn't have any ropes at all. How are they climbing up without ropes? And why are they separated from the others? Right. Got other things need worrying about. I tore myself away from those views, hard as it was. Still one of the most beautiful sights I've seen on these roads. Headed down into the valley to the dynamiters camp. More a settlement than a camp, really, with log cabins made from the nearby trees. Sun was setting behind me as I drove down, painting the unbroken line of mountains at the far side of the valley in a golden hue. The dynamite had stopped, and I was thankful for that. The dynamiters who'd worked that day were trudging back to the settlement, dropping empty bags, picking up bowls, filling them with stew, and joining others gathered around a big fire. I parked Old Stars well away, taking extra care with her highly flammable cargo, then joined the dynamiters at their fire, a bowl of stew in my hand as well. Another shipment of dynamitin, eh? We'll use it all right, though it won't have much use. <laughs> How do you mean? You haven't seen it yet? The mountains here, they heal, grow back. Faster than we can blast through them, that's for sure. So I did see that. My eyes weren't playing tricks after all. So then, 
Who are those people climbing up the side of that mountain? The stone spiders. While we try to make tunnels to the east, they climb the goods we should be transporting up and down the mountains. <laughs> that they should all fall. What's that? What? Don't you know the old teachings? It's good luck to see a spider fall from its web. Ah, leave off it. Don't want to scare the stranger, do we? How about a story, then? One of the old tales. Well, as long as we're talking of climbing, why not tell the legend of the ten siblings and the great wall? Once upon a time, in the old country. Once upon a time, in the old country, there lived two families, each with five siblings. One family lived on the windswept steppes, grazing their herd. The other family lived in the rich rice fields, lush with water. Generations before, the people on the steppes and the people in the fields traded and lived side by side in harmony. Then a war broke out, and the people of the fields built a great wall to divide them from the people on the steppes. But the wall, as is often the case with such walls, didn't work, and the people of the steppes invaded time and time again. The people of the fields prayed to their gods, and they sent them five divine beings, siblings, quintuplets growing in the womb. The people on the steppes heard of this, and they prayed to their gods and were delivered five divine beings as well. The steppe people fed the mother of the divine yak milk, and the babies grew strong in the womb and were birthed before the siblings of the fields. The siblings of the steppes were all boys, five brothers, and the siblings of the fields were all girls, five sisters. As they grew, it was clear to both peoples that the gods had blessed them indeed, as each sibling held great power. The first brother could see for miles, the second could hear for miles, the third could lift any object, the fourth could stretch to any height, and the fifth, the fifth could fly. And the sisters, the first sister was the smartest person to ever live. The second could grow taller than anything. The third could tunnel underground. The fourth could shout so loud you'd hear it from the other end of the earth. And the fifth could cry a river with tears that would heal any sickness or wound. And for a while, these siblings held the balance and the people in the fields prospered as did the people on the steps. Then one day, as she patrolled the wall, the eighth to be born was looking to the sky when she saw a magnificent being flying high above the wall, the fifth brother. She watched him for hours, days, and only rarely did he land, and then for such a short time. He was a nomad of the steppes, after all, and always had to move. But the eighth was mesmerized. She had to meet him, only... He would only land on the steps, so she steeled her nerves and tunneled deep below the wall to the steps, right to where the fifth was. She rose from the ground just as he landed. They locked eyes, and without a single word spoken, they instantly fell in love. 
But the fifth could only stay grounded for so long before the sky called for him to return. So the eighth learned to climb. She climbed the wall to be closer to him, and as often as he could, he flew down, and they were together atop the great wall, breaching the divide between their two peoples. But one day, as the eighth was climbing the great wall, the fifth saw something that almost made him fall from the sky. A young yak had gone missing, and when the step people tracked it, they found it had fallen into a large tunnel, the same tunnel the eighth had dug, which led straight to the people of the fields. From high in the sky, the fifth saw the steppe people massing their armies by the tunnel, preparing to invade the fields. So he did the only thing he could. He swooped down to the eighth and told her everything. She quickly went to the ninth, who shouted across the land to the tenth, who rushed to the tunnel from the fields and wailed and wailed, crying a Russian river into the tunnel. It swept away the steppe people who had already entered and saved the field people from invasion. But now everyone knew the fifth and the eighth had betrayed both of their peoples. So they prayed to their gods who punished the fifth and the eighth. As long as the fifth flew, the eighth couldn't tunnel or climb, and the reverse was true too. Only one substance could change the balance, known only to the siblings and the gods. The eighth was happy to never tunnel or climb again, as long as her love could be free to fly. But the steppe people wouldn't let him. They captured him and placed him deep underground, far from the sky he longed for. Before they did, he used that secret substance, stripping his power and restoring the eighths. And to this day still, she tunnels to find her love and climbs the great wall every day, hoping the gods lifted the curse and that he might have returned, flying across his blue skies. the fuss is about. Huh, what's this? It looks like the valley view from up by that tunnel only. Half the mountains ain't there. There's El Cap and Half Dome, but the others. I went to bed pretty quick after the story. Not to say it put me to sleep, it was quite the story. I tripped over something in the empty cabin they put me in before I reached the bed, leaned down to pick it up. A dusty old pair of binoculars. Whoever they belonged to hadn't used them in quite a while. I set them back down and went to bed, fell into a deep sleep. I finally woke to the sound of cheering in the valley. I was all set to check it out, dusty binoculars in one hand when I saw the yellowed photo in the light tacked to the wall beside the door. Yosemite Valley before the collapse. That same tunnel view only without any of the mountains blocking the other side like there are now. 
they really are growing. Brand new ones and all. I put it out of my mind as I stepped out of the cabin. The sooner I got that dynamite out of old stars, the better. That one there, they don't have any ropes. How? That's Ba. The Black Widow, they call her. She's the queen of the stone spiders. The best climber of them all. She free solos, so no ropes. But that doesn't mean the others aren't good climbers. They've got to climb the goods up and down quick before the mountain spits out their metal and heals itself. The Black Widow. Why is she climbing so far from the others? Can't say for sure. All I know is, one day she'll fall. I can't wait to see that. It's good luck, you know. So you said. Say, what have you got there? These? I found them in the cabin. Binoculars. Well, you're welcome to keep them. Whoever they belong to is long gone. Thank you kindly. Say, you wouldn't mind taking the dynamite out of my truck now, would you? Been pretty antsy, what with it sitting there all night. Can do. They quickly unloaded the dynamite, taking it toward their work site. A lot quicker than I would have, that's for sure. My first thought was maybe a few months dynamiting by their side, and I'd lose a bit of caution myself. But watching them unload it, I knew they were every bit as cautious as they ought to be. It was experience, then, that guided their hands as fast as they moved. Experience and skill. Skill that no matter how many months I spent with them, I may never gain. I wonder how that skill stacks up to the climbing. Hmm. They finished unloading old stars just in time. A climber approached. The dynamiters eyeing her. A few more climbers joined the first, and the two groups regarded each other for more than a moment before the dynamiters silently headed back toward their settlement, the last boxes of dynamite in hand. As soon as they were gone, the climbers relaxed, and the air shifted. They were almost joyous. Come along, driver. We got your goods on the valley floor waiting for you. Sure thing. Is the Black Widow there? No, and I wouldn't call her that. Besides, strictly speaking, she isn't a widow. She sure doesn't feel like one today. You'll see. She's practically dancing on the wall. Yeah, now you mention it, everyone seems so... so joyful. It's a great day. Our contract with the Gansi is up, and there's only one way we'll sign another. After all of our trips, we finally have the Gansi under our thumbs. Clearing's just up ahead. What's wrong? You look like you've seen a ghost. The Gansi? These are their goods? You sure? We sure are. Gansi's the old language, though. They call themselves the company. 
And what's a company without contracts? In front of me were 30 sleek black boxes, the company logo embossed on one side. Just my luck. The climbers started picking them up, carrying them back to Old Stars. I just stood and watched. The climbers were still joyous, but they moved a lot slower with the boxes than the others did with the dynamite, and a lot more cautious. Climbing rocks is one thing, dynamiting is another, but the company? Well, I was glad for the climbers' caution, at the least. Wouldn't want to be the bearer of bad news on that particular front. While they were working, I gazed up from the clearing to the stone face of the mountain towering above us. The Black Widow was halfway up that face, a sole speck on the granite. And darned if she weren't dancing up the side, a pulsing beat to her every move, pure elation driving her higher. That was happiness, all right. I didn't need the others to tell me. The kind of happiness I hadn't seen in a while. Shame I wouldn't get to meet her. As soon as they finished loading, I planned to leave. Contract or no, the company waits for no man, after all. And the company by any other name is still the company. Well, that's the last of them. Good luck to you. Thanks, and to you as well. I set off when they were done. The bumpy road beneath old stars making the climbers dance up and down in my side mirror as I glanced at their shrinking figures every now and then. Their leader still dancing up the granite mountain behind me. It was a happy day for them, but it would be a long drive back to Frisco for old stars and I. At least we didn't have the dynamite to worry about. I glanced at the valley in the side mirrors as I wound my way up to that tunnel. Figured it wouldn't hurt to stop one more time before I passed through to the other side, take in all of that valley's beauty. Good thing I did, too. Otherwise, I might have become a permanent part of it. Yosemite Valley. And there's El Cap. It looks like quite a lot of people on top. I wonder if Ba's up there. I raised the binoculars to my eyes to see if I could spot Ba. She was there all right, with her climbers by her side. Though that wasn't all who was there. Across from them stood a whole squad of company officers dressed in their suits most unnatural of all in this natural landscape. But then I saw something that surprised even me. One of their own, dressed to the nines, a sharp suit of his own, and chains, large heavy ones, and massive weights as well. He looked about to buckle under all the weight, yet somehow was still standing. Stranger than that, he seemed happy, joyous as the dancing spiders, staring straight at Ba, and she was staring straight at him. Not a single word spoken, just pure love, dancing in both their eyes. The reunion, how long in the making, I couldn't know. Of course, it didn't last as long as they'd waited for it. Pretty soon, one of the officers handed Ba some papers, and 
my new binoculars didn't reach that far, but I'd bet on them being new contracts. She read them, seemed fine for a bit, but then it all changed in an instant. Bob threw the papers to the wind, the company officers drawing weapons, the climbers looking fit to pounce on them before they could get a shot off. Bob stared at the chained man, gave him a smile, then did the unthinkable. She grabbed one of the other climbers' ropes and leapt off the side of the cliff, swinging down to where it was bolted in. Then she jumped once more, only this time without the rope in her hands. Fallen face down through the air, arms outspread, she looked like an angel coming to earth in slow motion. Until a real angel swooped down. The chained man, straining under all that weight, leapt up from beside the company officers after Ba. Only he didn't fall. He flew. Weren't any wings on him, but it was flight all the same. Before Ba hit the trees below El Capitan, the chained man had scooped her in his arms and was carrying her through the air across the valley. I smiled. The old dynamiter was right, I figured. A fallen spider is good luck. That was before I saw what had become of the tunnel, though. Huh. Well, I guess I won't be getting out of the valley on this road. Where the tunnel once was, a new light gray rock had bubbled up, closing the road and tunnel like it were never there to begin with, only a slightly darker, older stone around it giving it away. I gazed out across the valley. The climbers were gone, as were the company officers. Something was off, still. I listened for a moment before I heard it, or didn't hear it, rather. There were no dynamite blasts, just the noisy quiet of nature to keep me company with all her sighs and breaths, chirps and rattles. I got back in Old Stars and added her thrumming to that sonic tableau, then headed back into the valley. When I quieted Old Stars at the settlement, I could hear plenty of sound. It's for your own good. The tunnel will have been closed by now. Then we will blast through it. <laughs> and when your dynamite runs out? Look, it's the driver. He'll tell you, the tunnel's closed. Well? Sure is. Brand new rock and all. We only need a single stick. Well, if it's just a single... No. For far too long, you've been taking our goods over the mountains. And whenever we blast a tunnel... The Black Widow weaves a stone web and closes it. The tunnel's closed, you say? Well, good riddance. We will blast a new one. <laughs> you will run out of dynamite trying and be stuck down here forever. It was as tense between the dynamiters and climbers on the valley floor as it seemed to top El Cap with the company officers. But when that massive blast came, far closer than any others, we were all knocked back for a moment before we recovered. Long enough for one of the climbers to approach me, 
one hand out to help me up, the other gripping tight to a stick of dynamite. Sure do. Take me to our camp, and we'll get you out. The dynamiters had run off towards the sound of the blast, not too far from their settlement, while the climbers scattered back into the forest. The one who had helped slinked back when everyone else had gone. The dynamite passed off to someone else. I drove them down a road, what must have once been the main way through the park, not as chewed up as I'd have expected, all things considered. We reached a turnoff, a sign reading Camp 4. That's where we stopped. It's just up ahead. Here we are. Well, I'll be. Flying there above us, hovering, more like, was the chained company officer. Only he weren't chained anymore. That small bit of dynamite the climber had stolen was used to blast the chains off. A dangerous gambit, but one that seemed to have worked. Hovering in the clearing, he was staring straight at Ba, smiles lighting up both their faces. Then the climber who had brought me stepped forward, and the two fixed their gaze on me. It's nice to meet you, stranger. My name is Ba. You've come at a great time. I seem to be making a habit of that lately. Does my flying make you nervous? It's less what you're doing and more what you're wearing. Ah, yes. So you know the company? That I do. Now you might not be as hard to persuade as I thought. That depends on the means, doesn't it? No, you misunderstand. I wouldn't hurt you. I need your help. I need one of those boxes you carry. You should know better than anyone what will happen to me if I don't deliver the company goods. The company has already delivered the goods. They're Frisco's now. And without us, there's no way out of the valley. I suppose this is the part where you tell me you could just take it from me if you wanted to. That's not who we are. I saw you climbing before. It was... Something else, I'll tell you. You've got a real natural gift. <laughs> Some might say supernatural, but I thank you still. Hmm. The company box, then? I didn't see as I had much of a choice after all that. They were right. The company man could have flown us out one by one, but I saw him struggle under those chains. There was no way of getting old stars out unless Ba dug us a tunnel. So I handed a box over, as delicate as I could. Didn't ask what they wanted it for. Figured the less I knew, the better. Though it was easy enough to piece it out after the fact. Whatever Ba had done atop El Cap, after she'd done it, Wu could fly, but she couldn't climb. And the tunnel she'd dug had all closed up. Of course, goes to reason she could have done it again, reversed whatever she had done, stripped Wu of his flight, and returned to her own digging. But I got the feeling that was never really on the table. When they came back to the clearing after a time, the box nowhere inside, the company man was still flying, but now Ba was dancing up the rock just like before, the both of them as powerful as ever. 
I guess some legends have their roots sunk in fact. I can dig you a tunnel east if you prefer. Some of the old roads that way lead out to the company roads on the other side. East, huh? Away from Frisco. What should I do with the boxes? Bury them deep. I don't have a shovel. I'll dig you a hole. It was something else, that's for sure. Following behind Ba as she dug straight through the rock, old and new alike, crushing it up into the perfect road for old stars and I. By the time we reached the company roads in the Great Basin out east, I thought she'd be exhausted. But without missing a step, she dug a great big hole beside us. And one by one, as delicate as we could, we lowered the company boxes in before she filled it up again. Now he's free, what will you do? I'm not so sure. We have our whole lives to figure that out. She was happy. A rare happiness I hadn't seen in a long time. I have to admit, I envied her that. Some days after she had gone, closing the tunnel behind her, how many days I couldn't say, I noticed a shadow over the road ahead of Old Stars. The company man flying over me, shepherding us down the road. When I stopped for the night, he landed, and we spoke a spell. Turns out, most of the dynamite had been lost or wasted trying to blast out of the valley. Now, most of the dynamiters had started working with the climbers, learning slowly but surely how to haul themselves up the face of the mountains. I'm headed into the desert now, far from that lush valley and those granite faces. Yet I still can't keep from thinking about everything Bob did in the face of so much pressure. Where there's a will, there's a way. She climbed mountains to be with him. Maybe I can brave an ocean to find you. Scenic Byways is written, directed, and produced by me, Ben Sembler. In order of appearance, this episode features performances by Jason Culp, myself, Caleb Bryant, Hakemi Omori, J.C. Layson, Belinda Kai, and Victor Chi. The theme music was composed by the incredibly talented Rosie Tucker. For a full list of credits, as well as transcripts and other material, visit the website, scenicbywayspodcast.com. Sign up to the newsletter, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, at scenicbywayspod. That's scenicbywayspod. And on Instagram, at scenicbywayspodcast. And if you liked this episode, Please do take the time to give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. They honestly help so much. Thanks for listening. Drive safe.